Hey, you are currently listening to season three of the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford, and this season I chat with a range of individuals who work in tech. Flyer and School's online web developer program focuses on community, actual development tools, and features a curriculum that will teach you the skills you need to land a career as a software engineer. Get $500 off your first month by visiting flatironbootcampprep.com. Looking for a coding bootcamp? Boston to Philadelphia-based Launch Academy has helped over 500 students launch coding careers since 2013 with curriculum that's updated every quarter based on hiring managers' feedback and lifetime post-grad support. Find out more at launchacademy.com. Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Matt Lane. Matt is the CEO and lead instructor at Rhythm School, a coding bootcamp in San Francisco. Before starting Rhythm, Matt worked at Mathalicious as a content developer. As his role became more technical, he began to teach himself how to code. He then taught web development for about a year at Galvanize before leaving to set up Rhythm School. In our conversation, Matt shares with us the importance of having a mentor, some of the best resources he used to learn to code, great interview tips, and much more. If you want to learn about the importance of mentorship or how to transition into tech from another field, this episode is for you. Remember, you can get show notes for this episode plus much more information about Matt at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Laurence. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Matt Lane. Uh, I'm right now a, a co-founder and a lead instructor at Rhythm School, which is a web development immersive program in San Francisco. Um, and before that, I worked at a couple startups. And uh, before that, I was in grad school for uh, mathematics, and I got my PhD in math from UCLA in 2012. Yes, I was looking at your LinkedIn before this and saw that you studied <laughs> math in um, undergraduate, master's, and then you ha- got a PhD as well. Yeah, it was a lot of math. <laughs> yeah, a lot of time in the library. Well, I'm sure it must come in handy now, but I wanted to ask, <laughs> h- how did you end up going from being like, you know, an academia and studying math into programming and coding? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say uh, I was in uh, a PhD program for six years, and uh, probably about midway through, I I realized that a career in academia wasn't uh, for me. I, I I didn't really I enjoyed research, but it wasn't my my real passion. And uh, you know, there's this sort of publish or perish mentality where you have to be sort of aggressively pursuing research all the time. Um, and I I just couldn't uh, <laughs> I couldn't get that into it. I like teaching a lot more, but there weren't a lot of schools where. Um, great teaching was really prioritized. If you have really great research, you can get by with mediocre teaching, but the opposite isn't really true. Um, and so I decided I, I wanted to finish up the PhD, but after that, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I wound up working at this uh, small company called Mathalicious, um, and they write lessons. They write math lessons for middle and high school math teachers. Um, and so I was originally hired not in a technical role, but as a content developer just to help writing lessons. Uh, which was a lot of fun. But the team was very small. There were only five of us when I started. And so technical needs sort of uh, came up and uh, we all had to wear a lot of hats. So over time, I sort of, the role developed into something more technical. Um, And I was really lucky. I was working with another guy who was also um, writing curriculum with me and we sort of uh, worked together to, to 
teach ourselves um, how to become better programmers. And uh, so I, I learned on the job there for about three years. Yeah, I definitely uh, know where you're coming from. Outside of uh, the Learn to Code With Me podcast and blog, I work at a startup. So I definitely know what it's like to wear many hats. <laughs> and uh, I think that's really cool that um, – so you started at Mathalicious kind of as like a curriculum creator or, or instructional designer or whatever phrase you want to use. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure that must come in handy, though, with what you're doing today at Rhythm because, of course, that's you know Coding Bootcamp and you guys must have curriculum. So having a background in that must be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It's it really helps uh, in terms of the curriculum. You know, thinking about how to how to structure a, a larger curriculum, but also you know in the day to day structuring a lesson and and helping uh, students understand the why behind uh, what we're doing is that was definitely a valuable experience. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. So you were working at Mathalicious, and you began, um, you know, you're wearing many hats, began dabble, dabbling <laughs> in programming and and getting your toes wet there. What sort of happened next then? Um, so like I said, I was at Mathalicious for uh, about three years. And um, at the time, uh, Mathalicious relocated to Austin, Texas, sort of midway through my time there. And so uh, my wife and I went out to Texas. Um, but then uh, for, for various reasons, uh, we decided to move back to the Bay Area. And so I, I um, didn't really want to work remotely. And so I was looking for other uh, other things to do. And I had I realized that I missed sort of being in a classroom, um, and Mathalicious was great in terms of the curriculum development and, and writing really fun and engaging lessons, um, but I was far removed from the actual implementation of these lessons, so I didn't actually get to see you know teachers teaching them very often, and I certainly didn't ever get to teach them to students. Um, and I had taught a lot in grad school and really enjoyed um, working with students and, and helping people learn, and so uh, I found out about an opportunity at Galvanize, um, which is another uh, coding school. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was working with a recruiter and applied there and um, had a bunch of really great conversations and and eventually was hired uh, in an instructional role at Galvanize. And so, uh, yeah, one thing led to another from there. Yeah, wow. So you were teaching then. Um, well, yeah, what were you teaching exactly at Galvanize? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> yeah, no, so it's I, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so Galvanize has a, a web development program and a data science program, but I was teaching web development. Um, so I, I started teaching web development at Galvanize in August of 2015 uh, and was there for about a year before uh, leaving to start Rhythm in August of 2016, basically. Got it. To so start your own um your own Kaboo game in August 2016. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, I was going to uh, yeah, I was going to ask uh, what kind of made you want to go off and create your own bootcamp, and not even just like create your own bootcamp, but kind of the decision to just start your own business in general, because uh-huh. that's definitely a scary <laughs> thing to do is to you know go on, to to go off on your own from a full time job, you know, where you have a paycheck sure. coming in regularly, and to do your own thing. So, what what led to that? Yeah, it's definitely scary. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think for me, it was really helpful because uh, one of our other co-founders had a connection at a, a VC firm in the area. And so um, he was able to secure a little bit of funding for us to help us uh, float through the first couple um, classes. So it was sort of, it was less of a risk than it might be generally, um, which certainly helped. And I think in general, in terms of you know why, uh, why I wanted to do it, um, I just, uh, I, I think all of us, all of us who started Rhythm, we really wanted to build a school where the focus is on delivering a really high quality educational experience for our students. Um, a lot of 
I mean, you know, this industry is still growing very quickly um, and there are a lot of technical needs. And so I think a lot of schools are really focused on scaling their product really rapidly. Um, and there's a trade-off there sometimes between quality and quantity. And um, we really just wanted to not focus so much on on scaling a school to a bunch of different campuses and a bunch of different offerings, but really focus in on just having a really high quality educational experience for our students. And so that was really exciting for me. Yeah. So what do you guys teach at Rhythm? Um, so, you know, it's under the general umbrella of, of web development, but our, our curriculum is uh, JavaScript and Python. So we do Python on the back end. Uh, and then we also teach uh, React for, uh, for a JavaScript framework. Um, so that's sort of the core of our curriculum, but we also have students spend about the last um, month with us working on um, company projects. So we partner with different organizations in the Bay Area um, that have some technical need, and then we help our students um, build products uh, and, and tools for those organizations so that they have some real-world experience when they're out you know, on the job hunt. Yeah, that's definitely very important, having that uh, real-world experience. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so how long is uh, the Rhythm program um, in total? So um, our setup is a little bit unique. Students are with us for 13 weeks full-time, um, and we've also partnered with an organization called Outco, which is uh, a, sh a five-week part-time program, which is really focused on um, job preparation. So Outco will take boot camp grads, but they'll also take people who have had technical roles in the industry and are looking to just sort of, um, you know, level up their skills. And they focus on soft skills like resume workshops and things like that. But they also really give people a lot of practice with uh, whiteboard interviews. Um, so students who decide to do both programs will be sort of part of our ecosystem for about 18 weeks. Um, but students can also optionally opt in to just coming to Rhythm, and then it's a 13-week program. But we, we we encourage people to do Alco as well. Oh, that's so interesting. I've actually never heard of Alco before, but I just went over to the website, and yeah. it's just like strictly interview prep. It's kind of, okay, yeah, maybe exactly. maybe I'm wrong. I'm just on the homepage. But yeah. to me, it looks almost like a coding boot camp or like a mini one. He says four weeks or five weeks long, I think you said. Yeah. And it's just focused on the um, software interview component. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's... It's a it's a hard role to fill, and you know, uh, I, like I said, I've worked at other schools. The other co-founders have worked at other schools, and we found that that outcomes portion of the student experience is really hard to get right. And we're a small team, and um, we really just don't have the bandwidth to, to do it in a way that we are confident it will be really successful. Um, and so we found out about Outco just as we were starting up, and it seemed like a great opportunity to to work together. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, outco.io for the listeners. Um, that's the uh, that's the URL for that. So, all right, awesome. So, yeah, you, you mentioned that you guys teach JavaScript um, and Python on the back end. You teach React as a framework. So that's 13 weeks, okay, full-time. And uh, you got it's just located in San Francisco, right? So it's like an in-person program. Yeah, we have, um, we have a bunch of free resources online. So if you go to our website, you can see we've got sort of online courses for JavaScript and Python fundamentals and a little bit of React. Um, so, you know, people are welcome to, to check out that curriculum no matter where you are, but our in-person programs are, uh, yeah, in San Francisco. Got it, nice. So, all right, so people, um, let's just imagine they're students and, and they do the 13-week full-time program and then they're doing the Outco um the Alco component, which is five weeks. What, 
happens then? Does Alco help place people in full-time jobs or is that something that you do or yeah, how does that work? That's a good question. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, we we have a network of um, of companies that we are partnering with, mostly the, the same network uh, from the firm that invested in us. They have about, you know, 100 or so startups that they've invested in. Um, so we have worked with some of those companies, both for company projects and for helping to sort of connect uh, our graduates with with them. Um, and Alco also has a really strong network of uh, hiring partners uh, that they've worked with. So that's one of the other benefits, uh, I think, for students who come through Rhythm and also do Alco is you get you get the upside of not only our network, but also Alco's network. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely super, super important. Uh, yeah, having the network and whatnot uh, sure. to, to, to land a job after. So as far as the application process goes for Rhythm, is, is it competitive? Like, what do you guys look for? How, do, how does that work? That's a great question. Uh, I th- so for us, we're, um, we're less interested in having people who are um, already really strong with JavaScript. We have a, a fair amount of pre-work. So once we accept people, there's a lot of expectations around the amount of uh, JavaScript you'll do before uh, the first day in class. Um, but in terms of the application process itself, what we're much more interested in is um, sort of how people approach problem solving. Uh, so, you know, if we're whiteboarding on a problem with someone and they make some syntax errors, um, that's less of an issue for us than um, just seeing how they approach problems. Do they do they ask questions about the problem before they get started? How do they respond when they get stuck? Um, you know, a lot of people tend to sort of clam up, which is a natural response. I mean, it's... A, it's uh, stressful, certainly, um, any sort of technical interview. But, um, you know, we try to make it as conversational as possible. We really just want to have a conversation with students and talk about solving problems together in a way that hopefully feels collaborative. Uh, and so uh, because of that, yeah, we're just more interested in people's sort of approach to solving problems, how they think about problems, um, and less concerned with sort of, uh, you know, how familiar they are with the syntax and the methods of whatever language they're, they're using. Sit tight, podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Flatiron School's online web developer program, community-powered bootcamp, and free bootcamp prep courses are perfect for anyone interested in a career change and becoming a developer. Flatiron students come from a range of backgrounds, from financial to creative. What they all have in common is the passion, grit, and determination to learn to love code. Flatiron's rigorous 800-plus-hour curriculum will teach you the skills you need to land a fulfilling career as a software engineer. Learn to Code With Me listeners can get an awesome $500 off their first month to get started on that career change. Just visit flatironbootcampprep.com. One online Flatiron student said he'd learn more in a couple of days with Flatiron than a year of computer science classes. If you're interested in learning how to think like a real developer while using tools actual developers use, check out Flatiron's online web developer program at flatironbootcampprep.com and claim your $500 discount. Does your current job bum you out? Are you learning to code on your own and find yourself getting stuck? With Launch Academy's Boston and Philadelphia-based coding boot camps, you'll learn all the skills you need to launch your career in programming and software engineering in just 10 weeks. With a cutting-edge JavaScript curriculum that evolves every cohort to teach students the most current in-demand skills, it's the quickest route to becoming a software developer. 
Thanks to their eight-week prep program and a lifetime of postgraduate support, Launch Academy makes sure you get the job you want by continuing to teach you job prep skills after you graduate. That's why over 90% of Launch Academy graduate job seekers secure jobs as software engineers. Get started by attending an open house, a free Learn to Code event, or scheduling a one-on-one video interview. Make sure to ask about special offers for Learn to Code with Me listeners during your admissions interview. Find out more at launchacademy.com. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So switching switching gears a little bit, because you did mention that you were self-taught, at least as far as programming sure. goes, at your yeah. role in uh, math, Mathalicious. Mm-hmm. Were there any resources or courses or books or anything you did to help you learn? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did a lot of the things that I think um, people typically go to. So I, I went to Code Academy. I did some stuff at Code School. Um, I read through Michael Hartle's uh, Ruby on Rails tutorial um, and, you know, probably read a bunch of uh, various JavaScript tutorials. But those are the big three that that come to mind. Um, I think even more than that, what was really helpful, like I said earlier, was just like having someone else who was learning with me. And I was really privileged that we were able to do that in a work environment. So um, I didn't have to take a huge chunk of time outside of my normal uh, work schedule because it was part of work um, learning these technologies, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, that's something I always tell people to do as well. If if they can, is try to find a yeah. job. And, start, <laughs> and startups are great for that. Um, also, I think different kinds of like freelancing opportunities or even volunteer work, but obviously it's ideal to get paid to learn. But yeah, finding sure. opportunities where you can, um, yeah, essentially get paid to um, <laughs> sharpen some of your skills. So yeah, that's really, that's really fortunate that you were, that you were in a situation like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that you had a coworker um, who was able to kind of help you learn along the way, because of course mentorship is really important when you're learning how to code. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, is there anything that you guys do at Rhythm to kind of promote that sort of mentorship and, and learning from one another? Uh, well, we certainly have students pair a lot, which I think is really helpful just in, in getting students, getting people to you know communicate through their code so they're not just sort of silently typing at a keyboard. Um, they get stuck, they've got someone right there. Um, and we also, uh, because we're so focused on making a, as high quality of an experience as possible, we keep the uh, student instructor ratio relatively low. So all of our classes are capped at 16 students. Um, and we have three uh, full-time instructors. So we're always uh, close close by. If one of us is uh, up in front of the class uh, giving a lecture or something like that, the other two of us are right there. So if students get stuck, they can just raise their hand, and, and we're very hands-on in that way. So if people do fall behind or if people get stuck, um, they usually can't hide it very long. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great that you keep the uh, class size small and do a lot of uh, individualized attention and all of that stuff. Uh, so the, uh, however, so there's a lot of listeners to the show that maybe don't live in a city like San Francisco sure, or New sure. York, yeah, or New York where I'm based, or even Austin or something with a lot of um, like in-person meetups and coding boot camp options and workshops and so forth. Uh, is there any advice you could give to someone who is in that situation where they're maybe not living in an area with as many um, like in-person coding resources? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, that I mean, there are certainly um 
large networks that aren't sort of restricted by geography, right? So people could do something like free code camp. Um, there's certainly lots of free online resources that can help you learn. Um, I think the hardest thing about doing that on your own is just, um, it's nice when you're learning with other people because then there's a sense of community and a sense of accountability um, when you're trying to learn something with people who are also trying to learn the same thing. So that's the hardest thing to sort of uh, replace, I would say. So if you can find maybe not an in-person, but certainly an online community of people who you're actually engaging with rather than just sort of like reading a tutorial here and reading a tutorial there. Um, but if you can sort of build that community yourself, um, even if it's not with people who are living in your area, I think that can be really a, a good motivator to make sure that you're sort of on pace and making progress and, and sort of not getting sidetracked or stuck on things too long. Yeah, that's really um, that's really awesome advice. And I know there's a ton of listeners that are big free code camp fans. And I had Quincy, the founder, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, yeah, in season in season two, episode eight for um for the people listening. And yeah, of course, he's an awesome guy. Really big in the really big in the learn to code space, the online learn to code space. And now with his publication, um, the free code camp like medium publication, I think it's like one of the most read medium publications, if I'm not mistaken. So there's definitely a huge community. Um, at Free Code Camp, and I know they have meetup groups or, or the Facebook groups across the world and hundreds of cities, I believe. So, yeah, there's yeah, probably yeah, there's probably one relatively close to, to to people who are to people who are listening. Yeah, so yeah, all, all good stuff. And then, kind of going back to um, job advice, and I know that you know you 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 kind of do send students off to Alco, or you give them the choice of doing that, which solely focuses on prepping for um, an interview. But of course, tons of listeners have questions and are worried about the software um, engineering interview. Is there any kind of general advice you could give to someone uh, who's prepping for that? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, those interviews are, I guess, sort of a necessary evil. It is, it is really stressful. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety around it. And it's sort of similar. I mean, you know, I, I, I saw similar things in, in my background studying math for <laughs> a decade. Um, Something about just those technical types of screenings and exams—they're very—they're very much anxiety-producing. Um, I think one thing that certainly helped me when I was in grad school and afterwards is to sort of um, lean into that anxiety a little bit and um, and try to move through it rather than just like sitting in it. Um, I remember many times in grad school when I was sitting in a math exam and thinking, just staring at the, the questions and thinking, oh man, I have no idea how to solve any of these problems. And just um, being really anxious about it for, I don't know, five or 10 minutes, um, but allowing myself to feel that anxiety. And, um, and after that five or 10 minutes, I could sort of move past it and then think, okay, well, with this problem here, maybe I I don't know how to solve it, but I remember this other problem that was sort of similar and maybe I could adapt it. And then with this problem here, so I would, I would just sort of find avenues to eventually get to solutions of problems that I didn't think I knew how to solve at the outset. Um, in a technical interview, you probably don't have five or 10 minutes, but I think to the extent that you can admit that it's okay to feel some anxiety at the outset and and then sort of try to latch on to maybe one piece of the problem that you understand um, and work from there, that can be really helpful. And if you don't understand anything, I would say it's really important to ask questions. Um, ask questions about, you know, maybe specific uh, examples. If you're trying to implement a function, um, 
that does something, give specific examples of what you think the output should be and just verify that you do understand what the problem is or maybe try to find a simpler problem that you do know how to solve and start from there. Um, but uh, I think that the sooner you can stop the anxiety from being totally overwhelming, the, the better off you'll be. Yeah, I really like that. I really like about um, the, the piece about like latching onto one specific piece of the problem and then working from there. And of course, asking questions and then giving specific examples is really important. I think even if you're you know a bit off track, it's it's better to take an approach like that than to just you know stand there silently, nervous, <laughs> and and not not talking at least talking your way kind of through the problem and showing like um, the the progression of your thoughts. Absolutely. Is, yeah, it's really, it's really important. So, okay, so you started uh, Rhythm pretty recently, back in mm -hmm. um, August 2016. How many cohorts have you had so far? And I'm also curious, um, like, what your plans for the future are looking like. Uh, yeah, so we just started our third class um, in, at the end of April, um, and since our since our classes run 13 weeks at Rhythm, and then we have a week in between cohorts. So we're basically starting a new class every uh, 14 weeks. Um, and for now, um, what we're really focused on is just um, just making sure that we get a lot of really great candidates um, in our interview pool for for future classes. We're not looking necessarily to like add more classes or more campuses um, in the immediate future. Um, like I said, right now we're really focused on um, delivering a really high quality uh, experience for students. So down the road, um, maybe we'll be interested in running a couple classes uh, concurrently to sort of uh, provide more opportunities for mentorship between students. Um, but right now, like I said, we're really just um, looking to find as many people in the Bay Area who who are serious about learning code as possible and um, invite them to come hang out and hopefully learn with us. Awesome. And that made me kind of think back to your days doing curriculum development. So with the curriculum at, um, at Rhythm, did you create it mostly yourself? Did you do it uh, maybe with a few coworkers? And is it something that like you're reusing for every cohort and adapting each time? Or yeah, like how does the curriculum work? It's a great question. Yeah. So um, the three of us, uh, all myself and the other two co-founders, we wrote the curriculum from, from scratch when we started Rhythm. Um, and every cohort, we sort of iterate on it. Our first class only had, uh, we finished with two students. So there was more bandwidth <laughs> in terms of our uh instructional resources. So we wrote a lot of curriculum during that class. And uh, nowadays it's, it's it's less sort of writing new curriculum, but it's a lot of iterating, uh, especially for these libraries and frameworks um, that are changing constantly. So even though we're teaching React, you know, every three months, um, it seems like every time we get to the React curriculum, there's a bunch of stuff that's deprecated or there are a bunch of things that you shouldn't be doing in React anymore. And there's a new way to do it. So um, keeping up to date on that, I think it's is important for students. And so there's always with these, you know, new technologies, uh, a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. I definitely can relate to that. No, just, <laughs> oh, you know, just running, just like even some of my blog articles I wrote, I mean, yeah. they're, they're pretty outdated now, like two, three years ago. <laughs> I, I feel kind of bad when sometimes people comment on, on certain things because it's just so hard to go back and update, yeah, to update everything. Are. And uh, yeah. no, it's, and things change so fast that <laughs> yeah, three months is like a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah, especially history. Yeah. Especially with something that's developing so quickly and changing so quickly as uh, React and sure. just JavaScript as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love to ask this question, I guess, um, 
kind of as like a, a nice note to leave on. Um, <laughs> so say a person has no technical experience whatsoever, but they mm-hmm. want a job in tech. What is one thing they can do today to take a step in the right direction? Um, I would say if you're in an area that has meetups, just find a meetup and go hang out. I mean, uh, even if it's something that you don't know anything about, uh, you know, you might learn a little bit or you might sort of at least acclimate to, you know, what some of the terminology is that people are using. I mean, I remember when I was first trying to get into web development in the Bay Area, I, I didn't know really anything. I knew a little bit of Ruby and a little bit of JavaScript. Um, and I went to a meetup and people were talking about uh, what their stack was. And I had no idea what that meant. Um, but, you know, I sort of picked up vocabulary here and there. And then over time, um, <laughs> learned a lot more. So um, I would say just find finding a little a, a way to sort of dip your toe into the waters, right? It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to learn JavaScript or I'm going to learn Python or you don't even have to know what the difference is between those languages. Um, if you just sort of go to a place where people are immersed in in the industry, then that's a good way to sort of gain experience and gain a little insight about what it's like. Awesome. Thanks so much. I love that advice, Matt. And lastly, where can people find you online? Uh, so I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is um, <laughs> it's Matt. So it's three M's, three A's, and six T's because Matt was taken and double Matt was taken. So I had to do triple Matt. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'm also, you can always email me. I'm just Matt, M-A-T-T, at rhythmschool.com. So people can always reach out to me there. All right, awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Again, the show notes for this episode can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this episode in the future, simply click the search icon in the upper navigation and type in Matt's name. It's spelled like M-A-T-T and his last name is L-A-N-E. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more strategies for teaching yourself to code, Head over to my website, learntocodewith.me and enter your email address in the box at the top. I'll send you my 10 free tips for teaching yourself how to code. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.